My name is Rick Kleffel, and welcome to the Agony Column podcast. This program features a 2006 interview with Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Franz Wright by KUSP interviewer Catherine Petricelli. Wright's latest book of poetry is God's Silence. You can find more book reviews, book news, commentary, and interviews on the Agony Column website, http slash slash trashotroncom slash agony. And now, courtesy of Santa Cruz NPR affiliate KUSP, Catherine Petricelli speaks with poet Franz Wright. The fire. Listen, I've light in my eyes and on my skin, the warmth of a star so strange is this that I can barely comprehend it. I think I'll lift my face to it, and then I lift my face and don't even know how this is done. And everything alive and everything's alive is turning into something else as at the heart of some annihilating, or is it creating fire that's burning unseeably, always burning at such speeds as eyes cannot detect. Just try to observe your own face growing old in the mirror, or is it beginning to be born? This is Catherine Petricelli, and you just heard poet Franz Wright reading from his latest book entitled God's Silence. Franz Wright's poetry collection, Walking to Martha's Vineyard, won the Pulitzer Prize in 2004, and his book, The Before Life, was a finalist for the Pulitzer. Franz Wright has received two National Endowment for the Arts grants, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and many other honors. In God's silence, we are privy to more of Mr. Wright's encapsulated portraits of a beautiful, painful life, full of doubt and dark and light and healing. These poems express both joy in a spiritual as well as a physical redemption and tortured regret for those gone or left on the other side. Franz Wright, thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. The piece that you just read, The Fire, I think for me illustrates really well what a lot of the pieces in this collection, God's Silence, does. You're struggling, it seems, with the sometimes bizarre paradoxes that life brings us every day, that life is every day, and it's laid out so eloquently, of course. (laughs) On the page, I get the feeling that you are struggling with it, not just as a poet, but simply as a human. You're you're pondering along with the reader. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, I don't see any particular difference between myself and and everyone else. Uh, I just happen to perhaps have a... uh, an ability to talk about it uh, in a clear way. I don't know. Well, often in this book, you address a you in the poems, mm. and often that you is God. Is that correct? Sometimes. Sometimes it's myself. Sometimes it's uh, a unknown reader or someone I can't see. But uh, if the word you is capitalized, it's safe to assume that I'm spe- addressing God or speaking about God. And would it be fair to say that some of these poems are very prayer-like, that this could be read as a series of prayers? Well, I I don't feel that a poem is a prayer. I feel it's a poem. But there are elements of, uh, I suppose there are elements of prayer in some of the poems. And you're back from a pretty dark time of illness, depression, Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Well, I like millions of other people. I yes, I've had experiences with uh, clinical depression, very severe uh, psychotic depression, in fact, and I've also uh, am in recovery from drug addiction. And uh, like, but again, these are you know medical problems that uh, millions of people have. Absolutely, and I think that you speak. It's. I feel that you speak to some of those other millions in, in this work. And I'm wondering what comes first, the art or the life that demands the art, that needs a way to express what it has carried? I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it. Uh, that's a very intelligent way of putting it. Uh, you, There is a... Uh, if one wants to make art of some kind, I suppose there is a uh, there's a tremendous need uh, for a kind of self transcendence, uh, something to contact something higher, uh, something above one just one's normal self. Mm. Were you writing at all when you were sickest? Well, no. I mean, I had a period of two or three years when I couldn't write at all. That was the longest mm. period of time, but uh, that was really the only time in my life when that's happened, but it was pretty shocking to me uh, to go that long and not mm. be able to write. I guess I ask because it would just seem like there's such depth um, of emotion in these poems, and to draw on memories uh, would be sort of an amazing recreation I'm, I was just wondering if there were any notes going on, or but. Oh yeah, well I'm always, uh, no matter what's going on, I'm taking notes and I'm, I'm mm. listening and thinking and pondering uh, what I might be able to write about, and sometimes my own experiences come into that. Sometimes I make things up, some you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm always sort of trying to, to work on something rather. Mm. And of course, these poems are are very much more about hope and change. Um, I'd like to uh, invite you to read another piece, if you would. Uh, this piece is entitled Alder Street. Sure. Alcohol's effect on us. How was it Lowry described it? A dead tree struck by lightning, which thereupon miraculously blossoms. And what then? Always, always comes the then what I speak of the fear. Too well what I refer to, one of you will understand. Having one of your own, too well you know the idiot I have to babysit to keep him from sleepwalking off to a package store somewhere or conning some doctor even dumber than he is into prescribing his death. Someone new may speak if I today keep silent and any chair that's empty here that's someone who is dying. Find him. I want to shelve my usual questions about um, whether you might think about audience when you're writing and ask in a larger sense, do you have a hope to reach someone with this book or what, what kind of responsibility are you feeling in, I don't in know. these poems? I, I think... Uh, for me, as a lyric poet, I think primarily uh, I'm just doing what I've always done for my own, you know, purposes. And I maybe a book is sort of like allowing people to overhear mm. uh, some kind of very private um, 
discussion one has with oneself. And, uh, but, yeah, I mean, of course, uh, you know, if you write long enough and you publish, you have a sense that there is somebody on the other end listening, and you have a responsibility to uh, try to communicate with that unknown person as clearly and as honestly as you can. You know? mm. Mm. Well, if I could, I'd, I'd like to just follow up with the poem the hawk or have you follow up with that poem and I I think it sort of for me touches on some similar themes as the last I'll try it the hawk maybe in a million years a better form of human being will come happier and more intelligent a few already have infiltrated this world and lived to very much regret it I suppose me I'd prefer to have come in the form of that hawk floating over the mirroring fire of Clear Lake's hill, my gold skull filled with nothing but God's will the whole day through, instead of these glinting voices incessantly, unerringly guiding me to pursue what makes me sick and not to what makes me glad. And yet I am changing this three-pound lump of sentient meat Electrified by hope and terror, has learned to hear his silence like the sun and sought to change. And friends on earth at the same time as me listen from the sound of those crickets last night. Rene Shar said, Prenatal life must have been sweet, each voice perhaps also a star in that night, from which this time we won't be interrupted anymore. But Fellow monsters, while we are still here, for one minute, think about this. There is someone right now who is looking to you, not him, for whatever love still exists. Is there any entrance for guilt along with the responsibility? Do you feel ever, okay, I'm on this side, and... I need to continue to connect with... What do you mean, survivor's guilt? <laughs> sort of, hmm. maybe, yeah. Hmm. Like, why me, you know? Uh, I mean, I've been down pretty far, and uh, somehow I came back. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, God's grace, I don't know. Luck, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the solution to that is. I don't know what the meaning of suffering is. Uh, I know it does have a meaning. Um, and that it, often the things that seem to be happy, good things turn into disasters, and the things that seem to be the most terrible are the most fortunate sometimes. Uh, but I don't understand it. Hmm. And you still see that in smaller ways in, in your life, those terrible to wonderful and wonderful to terrible? Well, constantly. But uh, at least now uh, I'm in pretty good shape. <laughs> You have, as, as in The Hawk, some fabulous descriptions of the mind, the brain, in uh, your book, God's Silence. I'm wondering, um, do you, does your poet mind ever fight with that more cerebral part, or are they connected? Well, the, to be an artist of any kind, I think, is to find a way to use one's whole mind, the unconscious or instinctual parts of it and the more uh, conscious and intellectual, cerebral parts of it, whatever terms you want to use. Uh, it's a dance, you know, I mean, it's a, between those 
seem, I mean, these ideas that there are these two sides of the mind are kind of artificial in a way to begin with, but but I, I guess they're a useful way to think about it. Uh, but, you know, to have your whole, all of your perceptions, your wordless and your most intellectual perceptions working at the same time is very exciting. Hmm. I'm speaking with Franz Wright about his latest collection of poetry, God's Silence. Um, you have several, or actually not several, just a couple, I think, uh, prose poems in the book. And, um, for example, From the Past and Genetics. And um, I'd, I'd love to hear uh, in your voice the poem Genetics, but I'd, I'd also like uh, to ask you, what made you choose that form, or, or what in those poems asked for that form when you um, were writing them, as opposed um, to the rest? I'm not sure. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, prose. Uh, sometimes, you know, you use qualities of prose in poetry, and sometimes qualities of poetry can, you know, kind of come into the writing of prose. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not you know, I'm always trying to find a the right form for a given, you know, way of saying a particular thing. And once in a while it falls into, uh, I just think, well, I'll just let it sort of unwind in prose and see what happens. And then mm. sometimes it'll turn into a poem later and sometimes I just leave it the mm. way it is. Mm. So would it be the kind of thing where you might... Um, have the start or the journal, and then sometimes it just it feels right, and it yeah. It and I'm usually thinking all all along in terms of form. Mm. So uh, even if I'm writing in prose, I'm listening very carefully to rhythms and sounds and so forth. And sometimes I just find it's not necessary to start looking for a place to break lines, and it's interesting to just let something unfold and in a uh, in a more normal sort of way. Well. Um, Genetics. I'll leave the mic to you. Okay. So many years I've been climbing and climbing this ladder invisibly minute. And when at last I come to that series of damaged or broken rungs, that will be it. So I'm informed. In that clear, hope blue, holy light from a frightening height, finally, I will get to look down or simply let go and pass into a dark relief of falling finally forever when all I ever wanted was to wander and stretch out and sleep for a while in those endless fields of irises that or to go down into the earth. Well, while we're talking about uh, form and um, the poetry in more particulars, uh, I really enjoyed uh, some of the sound play that you have in some of this poetry. Um, we get silver sliver, or in To the Sun, To the Risen, return me to, return to me the still gold-lit place of your peace, still gold-lit space. Um, playing with the sounds, um, tell me about that. Well, I, I just feel that that the musical dimension of language is very important and if you consider that we use the term lyric poetry uh, there's a reason for that uh, poems 
in in say ancient Greece were not spoken aloud. They were sung. They were the lyrics to songs, and you get that in other periods of literature, like the Elizabethan period. So uh, there's a song-like quality vestigially that remains in poetry, and uh, it's lovely sometimes when that can uh, when that can be brought out, uh, brought to the surface a little bit. Hmm. Without using overt formal rhymes, say, you know, there's other ways to go about it. Another one of my favorites is from Stranger's Study, Berlin. My genre, silence, the after science. Hmm. Um, you also use a good number of parenthetical lines, and I couldn't help but be reminded of E.E. E. Cummings um, in some of uh, the way that you include things in parentheses and in some of the just the brevity of your lines and of your pieces and and that sort of um quipping of sound is he at all in was he an influence is he an yeah, influence yeah i loved him when i was in high school especially i uh his his poems often very much sound like songs uh, like the lyrics to songs and i like i love that dimension and i love the uh the freedom of syntax and diction and uh, the fluidity of uh, of a writing that really does sound very close to song sometimes, where you're not so worried about you know the normal you know constrictions you know and uh, prohibitions of grammar and so forth. Mm. Your father was poet James Wright. Mm-hmm. And the two of you are thus far the only father-son team to win Pulitzers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fact and uh, just the fact of James Wright alone gets a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Do you tire of comparisons with your dad? Well, no. I mean, uh, it's fair. I mean, it's a fact. And uh, I'm very proud of being James Wright's son. I always was. And uh, I like his work very much, too. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, you know, he was a big influence on it, on a lot of people. And... Uh, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. I always thought it was a most incredibly, you know, wonderful thing uh, to have him as a father. But you know, at the same time, he was my dad. You know, I mean, I, I don't really think of him as James Wright. You know. I mean? mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we talked about E.E. E. Cummings and about uh, James Wright. Other poets who influence you? Well, I don't know about now, but I know that when I was young. Uh, one huge influence on my work was uh, the great, you know, uh, early 20th century German poet Rainer Maria Rilke, and I spent a lot of time translating his work. And, and one uh, translation is in, is included in the book, yes? I I often try to slip one in, and <laughs> I've translated whole books of his hmm. work, and I but not for a long time. I haven't done any real translating for a long time, but um, I loved. Uh, Whitman very much when I was uh, a kid, and uh, I don't know. There's a lot, lots and lots of people, but uh, Theodore Redke is somebody who I consider the greatest American poet. I think uh, my favorite, and uh, I love him. And what what was it about him? Do you think that made such an impression? I think maybe the ability to combine extremely extremely formal, you know, a, a great deep awareness of the formal possibilities of poetry with a, uh, a looser, more 
experimental and and uh, exploratory and improvisatory uh, way of writing. You don't get that very much. Uh, people sort of go one way or the other, and uh, he, somebody seemed to have put it all together in a in in an incredibly beautiful way. And also, he's very close to uh, the connections between human nature and uh, physical or outer, outer you know, n- real nature. Uh, he f- there's a oneness in his work between those two things, which is a very visionary and wonderful, uh, happy kind of way for a human being to feel, I think, balanced with, mm. with nature. Mm. How about, I'm, uh, the, I'm thinking of the, the title of, of your work, God's silence, and that um, poem and some surround a surrounding phrase or two repeat in several pieces throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there might be another line or two that that do that. Was mm-hmm. that intentional? Yes, it was. You uh, were aware of it at the time. Sure. I was thinking in terms of uh, the book is much longer than most of my books, and uh, I was thinking in sort of somewhat symphonic terms if that doesn't sound too you know too exaggerated um you know recurring melodies or themes or motifs in different coming out in different variations and different places and uh but and the plus you know the phrase god's silence i knew would be read and interpreted in sort of not only different ways but opposing and opposite ways i mean a lot of people seem to think that the connotation is uh, God's absence, when to me it, it means precisely the opposite. I'm thinking of the Christian mystic concept that the language of God is silence, mm. partly. Mm-hmm. But I was combining it with a strange thought that the sun, I mean, if you think that the sun is actually a perpetual nuclear explosion, it must be making quite a loud sound, but we can't hear it. Mm. It's arranged so that it's at a distance where it illuminates everything, but we can't really hear it. It's silent. That seemed really mysterious to me. Mm. And the sections of the book, does does that play at all into the symphony? How did you... Mm. Well, I started the book with a long poem for me, quite a long poem, 200-line poem. And uh, I think in a way that suggested the possibility of... I don't usually break my books up into sections like this and uh, but this one was so long and also it started with a long poem which was unusual for me and uh, so I started thinking you know okay that might be sort of one sort of movement or you know and then there would be uh, others and uh, I don't know somehow it just fell into these four parts and four the number four is kind of has some kind of mystical significance and um, in what way for you well it's one of those numbers you know i mean uh, there's the four books of the new testament i mean there's all kinds of groups of four you know different things i don't know uh it's partly not really thought out too much they just seem to feel like different sort of groups of different ways of saying some of the same thing. Mm. And, uh, of course, the reader can pick it up and read it in order from cover to cover or <laughs> might sort of pick one out of the middle. Yeah. Well, I never do that myself. I mean, I don't think I ever really... Some t- maybe I have, but I don't think I usually read books of poems 
consecutively like mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's interesting how much work I, I know so many poets go through in, in arranging and... Well, um, you need to have, you know, I believe that a book of poems should be a coherent whole and not just a miscellany of poems. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it you don't want it to be too planned. I mean, there there's a certain randomness that's okay. But in the end, you do want the whole book to feel like one whole thing, just the way one poem is. it should feel like one complete whole thing, even if it does many different sort of, you know, has many different effects. Mm. Well, uh, I there's a poem that I'd love to end with, and I just want to ask you a question about it um, before we get to it. It's the poem called The Reader, and I'm wondering if I am correct in taking this as your view of what poetry is, can be? That might be one way of uh, of interpreting it. Um, we have these two different realities, you know, the book reality and the or the world of the imagination and the inner world of memory and imagination and thought and feeling, and then the outer world of you know objective physical reality. And sometimes I think when we're at our happiest, we feel that there is a connection between them, and sometimes they sort of turn into one thing, and we are, are no longer just, you know, an individual cut off from the cosmos, but sort of a part of it, you know, and a uh, continuous part of it. So I think maybe I was thinking about that. Hmm. Should I be reading? It's yeah, called the, Re- the Reader. The mask was gone now, burned away from inside by God's gaze. There was no I, there was no he, finally, there was no text, only what the words stood for, and then what all things stand for. You've been listening to Franz Wright, and our conversation has been about his new collection of poetry, God's Silence. This is Catherine Petricelli. You've been listening to Catherine Petricelli speaking with Pulitzer Prize-winning poet Franz Wright. Wright's latest book of poetry is God's Silence. You can find more book reviews, book news, commentary, and interviews on the Agony Column website, http trashotroncom agony. My name is Rick Kleffel. Thanks for listening, and keep reading.